podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No breaks. No breaks. No fear. No fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome along. I'm Ian Brannan. I know you've been asking yourself this question. What was the problem with the air fence at Sheffield on Monday night? Well, want to know more. A full explanation on the way in just a few moments. It was a meeting, though, that saw Sheffield climb to the top of the Premiership table. Apart from the delay with the air fence, it was a meeting full of thrills and spills. Oh! Oh! Big crash on the back for Stark. And he's up and running back to his bike. That is unbelievable. Oh my goodness. We've also got reaction from the match between Wolves and Peterborough. Another of the big questions in British Speedway this week is what's happening at Swindon? Well, we'll try and bring you up to date, at least with the news as far as we know, with Lee Kilby, former co-promoter at Swindon Robins and still very much firmly in touch with what's happening down at the Abbey Stadium. So that's on the way in a little while. And we'll be reflecting on the closure of Newcastle, officially removed from the league tables, their results all expunged this week, uh, which is a very sad situation, of course, but there was a farewell meeting in, in effect at Redcar last week. We'll hear from Roy Clark, long-time centre green announcer at Newcastle and someone who's uh, spent his entire life following the Diamonds. And we'll hear from the club captain, James Wright, as well, on uh, how he found out the news that the club was closing down. All on the way soon. No breaks, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Lots to get through, focusing on the championship a little later and we'll get into uh, all of the fixtures that are coming up in that league over the next seven days. A relatively quiet week fixture-wise, really, uh, across British Speedway this week, but still plenty of talking points. And we'll also be covering the Swindon situation later on as well with Lee Kilby. Uh, He'll be joining us to give us uh, the information that he knows about that in the week where a number of supporters have got together to try and find out more information. We'll certainly share what we know. First of all, though let's start at Ollerton where on Monday night the featured match on Eurosport was the Sheffield Tigers against the Ipswich Witches an unusual meeting in many ways the racing got off to a great start but then in heat number seven a big crash for Danny King meant a big delay to proceedings great start on the inside there's no doubt about that oh oh god that's a hard big crash in the first turn there he's gone in very very hard there Kelv he made a brilliant start off the inside just, it looks like there must be a little ridge, a little soft spot on that inside. The bike just took off and sadly Danny couldn't do anything off it. Thank God we've got air fences. Speedway is a spectacular sport, as we know. Luckily, Danny King was able to get up from that crash and um, battered and bruised, but um, it could have been a whole lot worse. It did lead to a lengthy delay at Ollerton Stadium while repairs were carried out to the air fence. I'm going to talk more about exactly what happened there because this subject, because it was on TV, of course, has become quite a talking point in Speedway with lots of people offering their opinions. And somebody who found themselves in the centre of all that, though, was Ryan Guest, who's um, our reporter regularly on this podcast of course but he's also centre green announcer at Ollerton Stadium and he joins us for this first half of the podcast to talk about the Premiership stuff but also his experience last night because that delay 50 minutes or so it's a long time to fill a lot of pressure on your shoulders there to keep the crowd entertained Ryan um, just explain to us about uh, about it first of all and hopefully you're alright because it's, uh, it's put you in the spotlight quite a bit hasn't it and maybe see people saw you on the TV every now and again um, how was it for you? Um, yeah, I, I've, I've been better, but um, yeah, it was uh, certainly an eventful night, as uh, as you say. And, and yeah, in, in in terms of feeling, it was uh, probably the the lengthiest delay I ever 
have ever had to fill. Um, thankfully at Sheffield, uh, they've got a, a, a good bunch there, so we managed to kill some time with uh, Captain Kyle Howarth and, and team boss Simon Stead as well, just talking um, as much thing Speedway as we could. We, we tried to get as many updates out to the crowd as possible, particularly with uh, so many new supporters there for the first time as well on a, what was a big night for Sheffield. They'd done a lot of promotion in the build-up to that one knowing it was on TV, knowing it, it can be easier to stay at home and, and watch it from the comfort of, uh, of your living room when it is on TV. So, like I say, it was a big night for them. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, certainly got people talking anyway with uh, with everything that did go on. Explain what the situation with the air fence was because we, we were watching on TV of lots of people standing around trying to get this air fence to, to, to be repaired. It was a particular part of the section, wasn't it? Because it was on the gate that allows the tractors in and out and stuff like that. So just explain what the situation was because people are going, well, why is it taking so long to change an air fence panel? What was going on? I would just like to point out I am far from an air fence expert uh, myself as well. But oh, well, there's a lot of people that can help you out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Apparently so, looking at social media over the past uh, uh, 24 hours or so. But yeah, essentially the way Danny King has, has uh, he's picked up the drive, he's shot off into the fence. And I think Danny King was, was live on Eurosport when he was out the back of the ambulance. Abby Stevens went over to him, asked him, and he basically said, I, I never like to go into the fence on my bike, a lot of riders say that, so he actually let go of his machine. So Danny has actually ploughed into one airbag and his bike has ploughed into another. So that has totally burst two airbags. Now in normal circumstances that wouldn't be too difficult to be two replacement airbags. They normally take around about 10 minutes each um, depending, depending on the, the, the size and everything else. And normally it's as, as simple as that, change the two airbags, job done. What actually happened on this one, it was one of the airbags that is connected to, at Sheffield's, they have the tractors and ambulances come out on Ben 2, which also has a gate, which has a separate air panel, which I believe is slightly shorter than the rest, attached to the gate, which then attached, attaches to the rest of the air fence. And I know this sounds like the most boring conversation we have ever had so far, but it is key to, to getting people to understand and what had actually happened, it wasn't just a, a puncture in the air fence or the air bags or the panels. The, um, I can only describe it as like an, an inflatable tube or an inflatable pipe which connects all the panels together and gets the airflow through. That had actually been damaged as well. And you can't replace that because it's between two separate panels and attaches on from each one. And that's what was causing the issue um, that there's no quick fix at all. And the Sheffield track staff and volunteers really did have to think on the feet. And look, some people will say it took much longer than, than it should have or than, than it could have done. At the end of the day, they had to think on the feet. They had to use the tools and equipment that were there to come up with a, a makeshift solution. And at one point, um, when they were thinking of things, that there was a real possibility that that meeting could have been called there and then. Um, it could have been abandoned, there'd have been no result, we'd have had to have come back, done it all again. There wouldn't have been a result, we wouldn't have seen the extra races live on Eurosport, and I think that would have been a much bigger disaster than waiting the extra 25 minutes that we had to for this solution to be made so that we could go racing again. Yeah, and speedways, you know, big delays in speedway are, not, are nothing new because... 
we see riders go down injured and if a rider had been down on the track I think people perhaps would have been more understanding wouldn't they because if, if Danny King had been injured and he needed some some treatment that lasted 50 minutes it does sometimes happen unfortunately then people would have been fully understanding and and all the rest of it I think it's it's probably because it's an air fence people just think it's a quick fix and and it should have moved on uh, perhaps a lot quicker yes you could argue that perhaps the TV coverage could have had uh an alternative to, to, to fill rather than just showing people fixing an air fence. I think maybe that is another argument to, to be had for another day. And, and obviously Eurosport um, will probably be reviewing that uh, for, for, for next time and having another plan up their sleeve. I mean, that's maybe the the thing. For the meeting itself, though, the the racing aside that was, was some of the best racing I think we've seen at, certainly at Sheffield this year. Yeah, I was going to say, if, you, if, you could, if you've got that live package recorded... And you t- take out that that near hour of delays. Watch everything else. What an absolutely fantastic meeting it was as well. And um, it's easy to get caught up in this whole air fence and delay debate um, in the aftermath of, of what's been uh, what you've seen, especially if you were watching live on Eurosport. But like you say, if you take everything else into consideration, it was a, a cracking advert. We had some really close racing. There was drama as well. And look. No one likes seeing crashes. Everyone hates crashes because at the time when they happen, they're shocking, they're appalling. You obviously never know the extent to what the rider's injuries are or if he's hurt or anything like that. On Eurosport, on telly, for newbies, it, it, it attracts them even more. And I know that sounds almost sick to say. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, it, it, it adds to the drama, it adds to the suspense. And we saw... Uh, Connor Mountain in heat two, Danny King heat seven, Paul Stark in that uh, in that heat fourteen in spectacular fashion as well. And like I say, it was a, a close contest as well, which which kept um, everyone gripped on that side of it. And like I say, just look at some of the racing. Kyle Howarth had a, a great battle with Paul Stark in heat three. Then Kyle Howarth almost held off Jason Doyle until he passed him on the line in heat five. In heat eight, Kyle Howarth replicated the, a similar sort of move off the final bend to, to grab first off Daniel Hume on the run to line. And like you say, it was pro- probably one of, the, one of the best race meetings that there has been at Sheffield this year as well. And it is just one of those things, isn't it? You could probably run that meeting another hundred times and you wouldn't have that same incident or that same crash or or whatever. It's it's one of those things that is, is, you know, people say about unforeseen circumstances, but that's exactly what it was. And it wasn't a straightforward air fence going pop and just them taking a long time to, to fasten it back to the fence. It was more involved than that. And um, it's just one of those things. And you can't legislate for how a bike is going to go into a fence and the damage that that bike's going to do. And we should say as well, that air fence did its job because well that air fence not there Danny King would have gone through that fence exactly um <clears throat> we almost almost saw it with uh, with Connor Mountain down the back straight in heat two as well um at the time it looked as though he'd been squeezed out uh, from my position on the center green being squeezed out by Ipswich guest reserve Brock Nickel watching it back afterwards it was more of a 50 50 uh, perhaps Connor Mountain has gone for a gap that wasn't quite there. And he did travel some uh, distance down that back straight as well and did did well not to actually go through that wooden fence down the back straight. And as you've said, you, even if you look, people will have seen that, uh, that attempted run of Heat 14 as well. Paul Stark just picks up some grip lifts. I've never seen a rider fly into the air fence like in, in full up upright motion like Paul Stark did. To see him bounce back off it literally like it was 
the side of a bouncy castle to then land on the floor, run to get his bike and get it off onto the centre green was was remarkable. And like you say, and people will still try and pick faults with air fences lifting here and there, but it certainly did its uh, did its job on more than one occasion last night. Both teams, of course would have preferred the meeting to run the full course but it's the Sheffield as well you've got this time curfew haven't you the noise curfew and just talk us through that what the the the, the conversations that were being had on that front because people are saying well yeah why, why don't they just press on they'd nearly finished it was only a couple more heats but there's there's some quite big penalties from the local council aren't they if you uh, if you if you go over that uh, substantially yeah, all sorts of fines from the local council and, and anything can kick in and obviously that can have a, a big impact going forward as well. They were going to attempt to restage in heat 14 and the, the two minutes actually went on and the three riders started coming out. And I remember looking at my phone and I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, 13 minutes past 10. So the rerun had got to go absolutely smoothly because, as you say, you, you do have these odd occasions where even if you're over by a couple of seconds, you know what some jobs worth can be like at, um, in certain places. Like I say, it can have a big impact. And to be fair to, to Ipswich, they could obviously only gain a, a 3-3 at the situation in Heat 14. And at that point, there was never going to be an opportunity to run Heat 15 because of how close we were. So um, Ipswich would have, would have lost by eight anyway and wouldn't have been able to, to claim a league point. And it was actually um, Jason Doyle who started uh, the discussion with the, the meeting officials saying, what's the point? Everyone would have loved to have seen Jason Doyle go out and pull off another race win. I know in the initial staging of Heat 14, he'd just made a, an absolutely tremendous pass to hit the front once again. And But yeah, like I say, fair play to Doyle and, and Richie Hawkins as well. He, he more or less conceded that, look, what's the point? The, the, the results are not going to be impacted on it. Um, we're, we're close to the curfew. We're, we're, we're rushing for no reason, and yeah, it would have been nice to get through. But like you say, I think we're a sensible decision had to be made in the end. All right, let's hear from the two team managers now. Then speaking with with Ryan after that meeting, um, we'll hear from Chris Louie in a moment. But first, here's Simon Stead. Well, Simon Stead, uh, a meeting that had everything. We'll uh, come on to it uh, bit by bit in a moment. First and foremost, though, another home win, top of the Premiership table as well. After that. <laughs> Yeah, look, that's that's the result we needed. Um, they made us work hard for it, which we knew they were going to do. Um, uh, we all had to dig deep and, uh, you know, credit where it's due. Um, Sedgi stepped in, did a fantastic job, um, but all the lads had to play their part today. Um, they all count and um, it's cemented us up, up the top, which is what we needed uh, and we'll roll on to the next one. Yeah, obviously there was a lengthy delay after the, the crash with Danny King. There was a, obviously a delay with the paramedics being with him, then then with the air fence. And from a rider's perspective, how hard can that be once once the bikes have obviously cooled down after so long and having to, to get refocused? Yeah, well, it is difficult. And, um, you know, credit where it's due, the lads uh, the lads kept doing the business and actually we, we, we finished the meeting really strong. So um, we just have to go about our own business plan. That's all, all we can do. There, there, there are things like this that get thrown up every now and again, and you have to remain calm uh, and, and, and remote, remain focused. Uh, what I would like to say is, um, you know, a big thank you to all the track staff who worked super hard to um, to, to make sure we, we had a meeting 
uh, because without their hard work, then they, it, we would have had to call it a day at that point. So they worked really hard. Yes, it was frustrating. Uh, yes, it was a delay. But the fact that we managed to, to still see um, 13 heats of, of speedway was a, was a good thing. Yeah, it was indeed. Um, obviously, with the news about Jake Allen, um, obviously only only came in not, not so long back um, and suffered that broken wrist. So uh, looking like it's going to be a, a spell on the sidelines for him now. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, we've stayed in, in, in contact with with Jake and uh, a broken skateboard is, is never never a nice injury uh, it's a tough one to heal um, and it's it's really a waiting game to see as and when uh, he will feel fit again so uh, we wish him all the very best for a speedy recovery definitely next up for your boys uh, an away trip to Bellevue obviously they're unbeaten at the National Speedway Stadium and uh, a terrific war of the roses clash that's going to be yeah uh, they're, they're a fantastic looking outfit so um, there is um uh, another opportunity for us to get some more points on the board uh, but we know it's going to be incredibly difficult they ride their track very very well but it's somewhere where all our boys like uh, and, and ride well so we have to go in there confident um, like we have done uh, and, and try and continue our good form and just very finally obviously unbeaten in the league here at Alderton um, you've only got one one meeting here next month in July as well so I'm guessing that's frustrating but on the other side of the coin a really busy August into September and if you could get on continue that run here going into the playoffs that could just be what the club needs yeah that is a little bit frustrating but I think what, what you've got to look at is the meetings will start coming thick and fast when uh, when we need to be at our very best so the fact that we're going to be in, the, in, in full swing uh, later on in the season I don't think is a bad thing we'll We'll deal with the frustrations in uh, in July, um, but you know everybody's in the same boat. There's lots going on, speedway nations, etc., etc. So there's lots going on uh, in July. So it's not like the boys won't be riding. Uh, I'm not worried about that. So it'll just be nice to um, to get all those bits out of the way and, uh, and and refocus, ready for the end of the season. Well, Chris Lee, a meeting that had a, a bit of everything here at Sheffield tonight. Uh, it was a bizarre one. <laughs> yeah, it was a shame really because you know all the hold-ups, obviously. Um, spoil the meeting a little bit but um, you know it was it was what we expected it was a tough one um, obviously we, we in the end I think we sort of missed uh, when we lost Danny so that that didn't help us but uh, you know with um, IRI there was, there was no point in pushing him if, if he wasn't 100% happy um, so yeah you know uh, a lot of things sort of uh, went against I wouldn't say us but the meeting in general really which is a shame yeah, um, looking at Jason Doyle, absolutely fantastic. Uh, winning his four rides, he was winning the, the rerun of Heat 14 as a, a tax sub, and obviously that would have given you the opportunity to, to, to potentially get something in Heat 15 as well. Yeah, that was obviously disappointing because, you know, we, we Doyle went out there obviously with the purpose of winning the race, um, and, and Starkey was given 100%, you know, when he went down. So uh, just one of those things, but uh, as you say, it sort of robbed us of, a, of at least a chance of getting a point and, you know, the way this league is shaping up, I think every point's going to be vital. So, you know, yeah, went against us, but um, we move on to the next one. Yeah, I know Richie said he was uh, more or less experimenting, trying something with the, the riding order tonight, moving batch away from five to, to two. Obviously, he had a tough night. Do, do you think that's something that, that might revert for the trip to Wolverhampton next week? Uh, I don't know. That's the gaffer's job, not mine. So uh, he, he does what he wants. Um very possibly, you know. Obviously, it's it's been a reasonably successful uh, formula so far. So, 
Um, but we haven't discussed that yet. Yeah, a quick word on, on last Thursday as well. Obviously, uh, we're one race away from a home defeat to Peterborough, but uh, the, the last heat uh, heroes do it again, uh, forced the super heat and, and came out on top in that one as well. Yeah, I mean that's what you know the team's been about all year is is battling to the end, and when the when the uh, you know when it gets tough, they get going. So, um, yeah, in that respect, very happy. I, I think you know the fact that we needed to to do what we did in the last three or two two three heats um, against a three man Peter Sider at the bottom of the table was a bit disappointing, really. <laughs> So that was the action at Ollerton then. And of course, uh, winner went top. And that me leaves at Sheffield currently top of the pile in the uh, Premiership at the moment. Um, elsewhere, though, of course, uh, Peterborough trying to make up ground on the rest of the pack. They've had a good time of it recently and starting to get somewhere. But a trip to Monmore, never an easy place to go. And um, so it proved to be last night, Ryan. Yeah, it was always going to be tough. Obviously, uh, Scott Nichols uh, out through injury. Michael Palmtoft uh, also on the sidelines following a, a big crash at uh, a pool whilst on championship duty last week. And to be fair, when Wolverhampton are in form at Monmouth Green, they probably are the most difficult side to beat around their home circuit. And so it proved again. I think I think Peter were to reach the points total that they did with what they'd actually got. Um, I think Peter Adams more or less said the same. It was a, a good effort by the Panthers. Nevertheless, um, whilst Wolves could could never take anything for granted, uh, I think they deep down probably did expect to get a, a fairly comfortable win. And so it proved uh, following uh, following the updates from uh, from the Centre Green at Ollerton on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. And we can hear from uh, a few of those involved in that meeting at Monmore. Um, we can hear from Peter Adams, Sam Masters and Rob Lyon, who were speaking to Eurosport. Yeah, I thought Peterborough did well with what they got. You know, they were still in with a chance of a point with a couple of races to go. So that was a creditable effort uh, from them, but we had a bit too much for them at the end of the day. Led by Sam Masters again, Pete, a fabulous four-ride paid maximum, and he showed some real skill in the in this team riding with Steve Worrell in Heat 10. Yeah, unusually, he weren't you know, making those electric stars today. He had to do a lot of his work from the back, but um, no, it was a faultless performance from him, and um, he's in great form at the minute. Let's hope it continues. Sam Masters, as Monday evenings go, that was a, a nice evening for yourself. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I didn't make any starts personally, but... I didn't need to. I was doing some good first corners and, and riding with Stevie's always nice and easy. So uh, happy with uh, with the result. Um, I'm happy with for Leon as well. He had an awesome meeting and um, yeah, you can see that the the, the progressions yeah, starting with them and uh, him and Drew. So uh, yeah, I think uh, future's bright. Rob Lyon, tough night at the office for the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, we always knew it would be. To be fair, I mean, coming with uh, RR. Um, and a guest is not ideal. Um, but, you know, we were beaten by the better team on the night. I mean, it was, it was a different, difficult track. I mean, it's slick, and the inside was where you had to be, as, as everyone saw. But fair play to all, so they were the better team on the night. And, you know, we have no complaints. So it leaves things very tight at the bottom of the Premiership table. There's no action on Thursday in the Premiership, so the next meetings will be on Monday. And all six sides are in action for the first time, I think, uh, this season. Everybody racing together. And what a meeting, though, at the East of England Arena. Peterborough versus Kings Lynn. That is a that is always got a, an extra element to it, that one, of course, with the close proximity of that bit of a local derby. But, of course, Peterborough win that and they'll go above their local neighbours. 
Yeah, and like you say, whoever does win, whether it be Peterborough or Kings Lynn, um, it's going to be a, a massive win in some ways because it will leave the their opponents, their rivals, more or less well adrift. I know we're not really, we're only just coming up to the halfway stage of the, the, the Premiership programme. But when you look at the current standings, it really would leave one one team well adrift, depending how that result goes at the East of England Arena on Monday night. I know Kings Lynn have already been there earlier in the season and won uh, 48-42 in the Premiership League Cup. Peterborough that night, though, I think they had Michael Palmtoff withdrawn uh, through concussion. And obviously, we uh, we don't know if he's going to be uh, fit at the time of recording or not after uh, after his heavy crash um, on Championship duty last week. But like you say, it really is a, a massive meeting down at the uh, at the wrong end of the Premiership table, if you like. Yeah, and certainly for Peterborough, you know, they've had that run of form, I suppose, and certainly at home, and yeah, they've had a super heat and, and so on involved as well, but they're still getting the points, and for them to have that win over Kings Lynn, it, it sort of gives them a shout, doesn't it, and that sort of chance for them to salvage something from this. I know that it's uh, it, it's a bit of a push, but keeps them in, in the hunt there, and of course... You know, you don't go bad overnight. They've only made one team change. They were champions last season. This is a an experienced side who maybe and maybe just starting to find their feet now. Yeah, perhaps. I think before the trip to Wolverhampton on Monday night, I think they'd taken uh, something from each of their previous three Premiership fixtures, um, which shows they were on the up. I know speaking to Scott Nichols at the Randolph uh, Panthers fixture at Monmouth Green um, at the beginning of the month as well. He was basically saying, look, it was it was mainly down to engines. There's been a, a, a few problems with, uh, not problems with engine tuners as such, but with certain rider preferences, trying to get things exactly right, exactly how they want them. That's what he put it down to at uh, the East of England Arena in particular. Um, and like you say, that, that did seem to be on its way up um, until uh, until things went uh, a bit Pete Tong at uh, at Ipswich last Thursday in the in the latter stages of that clash with Ipswich. And similarly, we're talking about Kings Lynn or Peterborough closing the gap on fourth, which is Bellevue. It's Bellevue versus Sheffield on Monday night um, at the National Speedway Stadium, and you know Bellevue could be staking a claim, maybe not quite the top, but certainly within the, in in the shout of of heading to the top. Uh, on Monday night, just such as how things can work out in the Premiership and how close it is. Exactly, and what a, another thrilling fixture. I never, obviously being being so young, Ian, you, you know how I am, but I never realised the uh, the War of the Roses rivalry, um, as they call it up there. Oh yes, oh, it's it's mega, it's mega. I mean, I I grew up as a Bradford fan, and and it was intense. Bradford Bellevue was massive, and 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 Bradford Sheffield even West Yorkshire South Yorkshire was massive. So yeah, now to have it all on Sheffield, um, you know, Sheffield versus Bellevue, it's it's a biggie, definitely. I mean, yeah, unless you're from Yorkshire or Lancashire, you you, you don't understand the the War of the Roses thing. It's just it's just it just is. It's like it, it is just there, and especially a Manchester based. War of the Roses, you know, like Liverpool versus Leeds, for example, is a big fixture, but it's not Liverpool versus Manchester United purely because it's Manchester. I think you know, being based in Manchester, it's it's the whole Manchester, Yorkshire, Manchester thing more as much as Lancashire. Like I say, I, I never never realised it until you experience it, and I remember the uh, the first clash between the two teams at uh, at Holton last season, and being on the mic, the, the the atmosphere was something else. You could tell. Um, the, the bragging rights meant right to, to uh, meant everything to everyone, and like I say, it's, this one in particular is 
he's just such a, an enthralling looking fixture because Sheffield have already uh, won at Bellevue earlier in the season on the opening night of the uh, Premiership League Cup campaign. They won by two points with a, a last gas 5-1, if I remember right, from Jack Holder and Adam Ellis. And that really did whet the appetite for everyone uh, for, for, for the South Yorkshire side. But like you say, looking at, at the recent league form, Bellevue, absolutely immaculate home record. They've, uh, they've won, I think it's uh, four out of four in the Premiership. And obviously, Matty Zagar's played a big part in that. But he's moved to number one. He didn't enjoy the uh, best of meetings in his first meeting back in that number one race jacket at Wolverhampton uh, last Monday. Around the National Speedway Stadium, though, he's been more or less unstoppable in recent weeks. So uh, we're going to see some great battles with him involved, I'm sure. Um, and when you look at Sheffield, sitting top of the pile, going into Monday's fixtures, they've got a couple of meetings in hand. Um, they've only failed to claim league points in one of their eight premiership fixtures so far. So um, without a doubt, that's uh, that's the pick of the three on uh, on Monday night. The other fixture on, on the Monday uh, then, because all, all six teams in action, um, Wolves, Ipswich. Um, Wolves always this, this side that start off fairly slowly, but a bit like an express train, they get the steam up and they're always there or thereabouts by the end of the season. And Peter Adams knows that this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And Ipswich this season, of course, whilst they lost against Sheffield, they've been one of the standout sides so far, not least thanks to Jason Doyle and it's going to be a good match up that when they when they meet and don't forget the witches have already won uh, in the black country as well earlier this season they won 48-42 back in May um, okay Wolverhampton it was a, a big blow for them they were without Ryan Douglas on that occasion um, and Thomas Jorgensen came in as a as a guest, uh, didn't have a, a good night at all um, after having a, a stunning week for Kingsley in the week previous, but that's how guest booking sometimes work. But um, yeah, fair play to Ipswich on that occasion. A, a big, rare away win at Monmouth Green. They don't normally enjoy too much success there. Um, this time around, though, um, it's going to be a third consecutive Monday home fixture for Wolves. And obviously, um, be, being based in the, in the black country myself, get to speak to their riders quite a bit. And I know they... Some of their boys felt, particularly the, the, the new signing, Steve Worrell and, and Drew Kemp over the winter and Leon Flint, obviously at reserve, coming back from injury. Uh, those three in particular felt a, a consecutive run of meetings was what they needed. And we have seen we have seen their scores getting better and better the more meetings that have gone on at Monmore. Um, just looking at the Wolves reserves in Kemp and Flint, I think they scored eight between them Monday night against Peterborough as well. So um, a step in the right direction for them and uh, it certainly helped Wolves' tally as well. Um, and the other incentive for Wolves is a, a win over the Witches would see them leapfrog them in the, in the league table as well. So I know we've said it about the other two, but three uh, three really intriguing Premiership fixtures on Monday night to come. And something else worth mentioning that, that's happening at the weekend, it's the first round of the Speedway European Championships, the, the SEC uh, or the SEC, depending on, on how you refer to it. It's uh, happening at Ribnick, and Adam Ellis uh, takes his place in this, alongside Dan Bewley, representing Great Britain. But it's a, a great lineup, and we had Adam as a guest last week on this podcast, so listen to last week's episode if you haven't already, and, and you can hear Adam talking about that. He's put a lot of effort in, and it's going to be interesting to see how he goes, isn't it, uh, against some of Europe's finest. Yeah, um, Adam's actually uh, one of the first ever riders I worked with when I got involved involved uh, in Speedway back in 2015. He he signed for Birmingham uh, when they came back in the National League in that year. So I, I literally have seen Adam rise from the very bottom, more or less, to where he is now. And um, 
he's a he's a he's a really nice guy really down to earth um fantastic talented speedway rider as well and like you say to to watch him um i think he got in the the great britain squad when they got silver at uh, at bellevue uh, when alan rossiter was team manager to see him involved in that squad there was great to see him progress to be british champion last year was unbelievable and as he told you on uh, last week's podcast this this was his next goal to to qualify for the speedway european championships it's the next step up and like you say in in some ways he's got nothing to lose i don't think there's going to be too much pressure on him when you look at some of his some of his competition and sometimes just sometimes that's when that's when you see the best of adam yeah and he's he's obviously making some big investments in his machinery as well and i think monday night at, at Olderton when he was out front you could see that his his bikes were quick because he was pulling away wasn't he quite quite handsomely over the the opposition which of course you know premiership level as well he he was he was really stretching his legs there yeah, he's got an absolutely fantastic setup this year. Uh, since he joined Sheffield, he's had uh, he's had Johnny Bailey in his corner as well, um, and also Trevor Stead, uh, the the father of Simon as well. So obviously that those two were with Steady himself around Allerton for years. So that's why he he looks so quick around Allerton. But yeah, um, where, wherever he's gone, he hasn't had uh, too many disastrous meetings since the since the Premiership League got up and running. Um, and like you say, I'm really excited to to see what Adam can do in the the four round series of the Speedway European Championships this year. Good stuff. Well, um, thanks for joining us, Ryan. I'll let you let you get off. Um, your next appearance on the Centre Green will be where? Where are you back? Is it uh, you got a week or two off now? Have you? Birmingham versus Glasgow Wednesday July the 6th and then Thursday July the 14th Sheffield Peterborough Okay, take it easy thanks Ryan for joining us uh, in the next part of No Breaks No Fear I'm going to get an update on what's happening at Swindon there's been a lot of chat about what's happening or not at the Abbey Stadium former co-promoter of the Swindon Robins and still firmly involved in the club Lee Kilby joins us next to tell us what he knows about the development work happening there and the chances of Speedway returning in 2023. On the way next on No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back to No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. I'm Ian Brannan. Still to come, we're going to hear from James Wright, formerly of the Newcastle Diamonds, uh, on the news last week that the club he was captain of was going to disappear. Uh, We'll uh, hear about uh, how he heard the news and what next for him. Uh, We'll also hear from Roy Clark as well, the uh, long-time uh, centre green announcer both at Newcastle and Redcar and Redcar of course was the venue for that final meeting for Newcastle this season when a select side got together last week so more about that to come in just a while right now we are going to turn our attention to the Swindon Robins because as you will be well aware the Swindon Robins have not been active since they won the Premiership title back in 2019. Work is ongoing at the Abbey Stadium at the moment. It's been ongoing for quite some time. The company that own the stadium, Gaming International, have been fairly quiet recently about the plans for the future and whether Swindon Robins will be making the much-anticipated return back to their home in 2023. Well, we're joined right now on No Breaks No Fear, indeed for the rest of this podcast, by Lee Kilby, who many people will know, son of the great 
Bob Kilby, a legendary Swindon Speedway rider, but he himself, uh, Lee, has been a uh, co-promoter in 2019 and commercial director in 2017. And uh, pleased to say Lee joins us now. Uh, hi, Lee. I mean, I think you've done all the roles in that. And also on BSN, I think you've done uh, commentary and presenting and everything apart from riding the bike. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? I'm not sure that's going to come. I've been waiting for that call for 45 years and it's never done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, we were, as far as the championship is concerned, we were supposed to be in Plymouth tonight the two of us but uh, of course that that was rained off um, the, the big rain shower heading for Plymouth on the Tuesday evening which would have uh, wiped that meeting out but we will be together tomorrow uh, at pool but we'll come to that in a moment first of all let's talk about Swindon Robbins though because there's been a, a, a gathering shall we say I want to call it it was not really a protest was it it was a, a gathering uh, about outside of the the Abbey Stadium to sort of raise awareness I suppose with the, the fans who are concerned about the future of Swindon Robbins um, this has been rumbling on for quite some time I know we've spoken to Roscoe about it and, and he always gives us a very short answer but um, from your point of view um, where are we at with the Swindon Robins? This work is ongoing at the Abbey Stadium at the moment. It's been gone for quite some time. Um, initially, Swindon were going to be back by now. That's obviously been pushed back and pushed back. And the last we heard was going to be a hope for next year. So as someone who's firmly um, well-connected and, and well-invested in, in the, the Swindon team, just tell us where we're at, where we're up to, what your understanding of it is, and maybe the journey and the conversations that you've had so far. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those it's one of those situations where obviously Terry Russell is still you know the owner of the, the owner of Swindon Speedway, and uh, then we've got Steve Park who's the club director, and then there's myself. Well, there's Alan Rossiter who currently is the promoter. Um, I'm in an official capacity not connected with the club at the moment because obviously I stepped out of Swindon when they weren't running to step into Eastbourne and, and work for them. Sadly, that didn't go according to plan. But from a Swindon perspective, so so I'm I still am part of the fabric of the club. I still talk to Terry and Steve Park and Roscoe all the time, and, and obviously a connection to the fans. So it, it's a situation where Terry is Terry is the contact for Swindon Speedway. He talks to Gaming International, and he's he's the main person that does that. So myself and Alan, we don't have any direct conversation with Gaming International, who own the stadium. Um, but as far as we're concerned, we are still being told that twenty. 23 is a possibility. The stadium will be done in 2022. Um, but the thing from mine and Alan's angle is, yes, that's terrific and brilliant. And there has been, for anybody that doesn't know, the, the, the back straight stand has gone now. The old stand, that's disappeared. The main grandstand is still there. The back straight, as was, will become the home straight and a new stand will go up. Now, all the groundwork has been done. The land has been leveled. The old pits are gone. The old changing rooms are gone. The turnstile sections, they're all gone. So work has been going on at the stadium. The, the, the groundwork for the back straight, which will be the home straight, is done. So now, the only thing that appears to be uh, behind schedule is the building of the new grandstand. So that's that's what that's the up to date in terms of what we know has been happening. Now, eh, like, like you mentioned, I don't think it was a protest. I don't think it could be classed as a protest, but a group of supporters have got together, um, save our Abbey Stadium, um, and they basically just want to know what's going on. I've spoken to a couple of them that are involved in it, and they said, look, all we want to know is, you know, are we coming back next year? What is the situation? Is the grandstand going to be built? Because that's behind schedule. When will that be finished? And I think they just wanted to show a real unity 
and uh, a level of support that they're still there waiting for their stadium. Yes, it's very quiet. Yes, we haven't had Speedway for a few years now, but they're still there and they want the Speedway to come back. And and I think that's there. That's that's what the other night was about. And there was a good, a good crowd as far as I've seen some 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 photographs online. And it looked like it was a really good, peaceful gathering of Swindon supporters that just wanted to make the statement that we're still here. We'd like to know what's going on. We are ready to come back when the club's coming back. And that was ultimately what what the other night was about. And and you know what I. I'm 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 glad I'm kind of glad they did it because it's good to know that they're that they're still there. It's good to know there's a group of supporters there that are ready for us to come back. And obviously there was fifty to a hundred quoted, but we know there's more than that. I know there's a lot more than that. And we're just we're just playing the waiting game at the moment to know to know whether the, the stadium when it will be finished because we have to start making plans. Um, if we are going back into Speedway, the, you know the BSB they need to know the BSB need to know that we're coming back. Um, we have to start thinking about sponsorship riders. So it's not just a case of brilliant, we're coming back, click the fingers and away we go. There's a lot more to it than that. So again, I think that's a, a long-winded way of me saying that at the moment there is no new news to, to what has been gone out recently. But we are working, you know, Terry's Terry's talking to Gaming International and as soon as he has an update, he will he will let us know. So it's it's frustrating and I get the fans frustrating frustration um because you know we feel it exactly the same, me and Roscoe, 100%. You know, we've we've lived and breathed Swin and Speedway all our lives. You know, obviously, Alan's worn more hats than I have. Um, but between us, we cover every single base. And we're we're as passionate about that as we are anything else, you know, away from our family in life. And not having the Speedway, not having Swindon Speedway, it, it does cut deep, the fact that it's not there. And I can't go and support Swindon because even though I was commercial manager, I was promoting them. You know, we won the league. I'm still a fan at heart. And to not have the Robins to cheer on is, is really is really difficult and, and, and is a hard thing for us. So, yeah, that's that's kind of up to date with where Swindon is at. Um, we are chomping at the bit to come back. Um, Terry has made it publicly known that if he steps aside at any point in the near future, he would love to offer the club to me and Alan. Me and Alan are very interested in that proposition. Um, and we'd love to think that that will that will come come through at some point in the future. And of course, a great personal connection for you as well. You're not just a fan. Your dad is one of the was one of the great legends of of the Swindon side as well. So it, obviously, it goes much deeper than just. I mean, everybody has a, a connection with their favourite Speedway club, and when their club's not in existence anymore, obviously, it's a it's a huge wrench and a, and a big part of your life that missing that's missing. But for you, you know, you've. I mean, many people have grown up around Speedway, but for you, you are firmly immersed in it. Yeah, yeah, Dad, Dad, rightly so. He's remembered for. For, for being a legend there and, and he and he was you know he a lot of people will say he's you know the best rider to be a rider to come from Swindon which I think he is um and he's thought he's thought remembered and thought very fondly of and yeah it, it's 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 funny I have a real divide now between what dad did and what dad achieved at the club and and what he was to the speedway club and and you know that little that little bit of a an angle that I've created for myself and, and what I've done at the club and it goes, it goes, it does go back. And it, I don't want to think about there not being Swindon Speedway. I can't think that way. That's not the way my brain works. My brain thinks about Swindon Speedway being there and continuing on, you know, what, what dad and the other riders that we've had down the years have, have all done. Uh, I, I went to a funeral a few weeks back of my godfather, who was club historian really at Swindon, um, uh, Glyn Shales. And, 
And there was Barry Duke and Mike Keane and Mike Broadbank and these riders that rode for Swindon and, and did their bit back in the day. You know, they all want to see it continue. Nobody wants to see it stop. So, but I see this, the supporters as well. And Facebook is, Facebook is a great, a great platform for, to keep people together. And I see it with the Swindon supporters. You've got older supporters there that, and, and I won't name anybody, but there's, there's people that since the club has ceased to, 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 to race, at this period of time, you know, they've lost members of their family, they've lost wives, they've lost husbands, and the Speedways, their connection to, you know, this community and family of people that has, has been with them all their lives. And at the moment, they don't have that. So as much as, yes, my connection with with Dad, with Bob Kilby is, is, is huge, for these supporters that have stood on terraces all their lives, it's it's massive to them. And I, and I fully, fully understand that. And I've been called out a little bit of late. I don't mind saying it. A few people have called me out for, for not doing more um, and almost accusing me of not doing anything. And which and, and again, I know Alan's had that as well. And that's grossly unfair because, you know, the, the work that we've done away, you know, we don't get paid by Swindon Speedway while it's not running. So, but we've done so much work behind the scenes because of our love and our passion and our desire to see it come back, not just for ourselves, but for everybody connected to it, you know? So, you know, those that those that have had a dig, you know, I don't respond because there's no point. But it's it's a very shallow way of thinking to think that just because me and Roscoe aren't there with placards every day, screaming and shouting that we haven't got our stadium to say that we're not doing anything is 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 pretty, you know, it's a naive way of looking at it, to be honest. Um so yeah, it's 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 a passion, it's a love. The uh, you know, I adore the place and I, I don't want to see it, I don't want to see it going. We're doing everything we can do to keep fans updated with with what's happening with it, really. I suppose you can see where fans' concerns lie, though, when they, they, you, know, you don't have to look too far. Coventry, uh, of course, being a big example. Reading, and recently we're hearing stories now of, of redevelopment at, at Peterborough. You know, it's, it can be very hard for clubs to make a comeback. I suppose with Swindon, this redevelopment work has been going on. The track still seems to be there. You know, they've had every opportunity to dig the track up if they wanted to, and they haven't. Um, so that's still in, in situ, isn't it? Because it's not the same track that the Greyhounds use. You know, if they were going to redevelop it, could have been tarmacked over quite easily, and then they could have said, well, we'll relay the track later. But as it stands, you know, the facilities, apart from, you know, for the, the pits and, and all those facilities, but the actual track remains intact. And, and um you know, it would be ready to go fa- fairly quickly. I think. Uh, I, you did, uh, I did. I did a track walk two two weeks back. I was up there. I went and saw Pete, uh, the stadium manager, uh, and spent some time with him. And I did a track walk, and it wouldn't take very much work to get the track raceable tomorrow. It was in such a good condition. The the guys there, Josh, that looks after the Greyhound track, have been grading the speedway track for us. So it looks in in terrific nick. So. Again, I get the concerns of the supporters because of because of Gaming International and because of other stadiums that have that have been and gone, and and we feel that as well. Of course, we do. You know, we we're not we're not directly talking to them like I say Terry is. Um, so I, we get their concerns because we we feel it because there's a history there. But I can only go on what I'm told, and I can only go on what the information is passed over to me, and that is that things are things are happening. The stadium, the the, the stadium is. Uh, things have happened. Work has been undertaken, um, and we're being told that the grandstand will go up. Yes, it's behind schedule, but we're being told it will go up. So, I, I will always err on the side of positivity because that's my nature. I will always have a glass half full because that's how I am, and, and that's where I'm at at the moment. 
And I know that Alan feels the same. Um, but just flicking back to, we, you know, we get that the supporters want to be spoken to and, and they'd like to hear from, from Gaming International. And, and it wouldn't take much for, for Gaming International just to put a statement out to, to say where they're out and timelines of their works. Because this is a, an important project to a lot of people. And it's an exciting project for the town of Swindon. It's not just about Speed Radio. Swindon has, has had Speed Race since 1949. It's had some of the best riders in the world represent them. You know, Barry Briggs, uh, Lee Adams, uh, Jason Doyle, a three that jumped to mind because they're the three that have really, you know, topped the world stage while they've been racing for us. But, you know, Jimmy Nielsen, Brian Carger, they got on rostrums. So we, we've had some incredible Speed Rides and it means a lot to the town, the, the, the Swindon advertiser, BBC Wiltshire, they're all brilliant with us. They, we get so much publicity in the town. Um, and we know that at the moment we've got the backing of the ice hockey, the backing of Swindon Town, the Wildcats and Swindon Town uh, to, to, to get us back because they want to see us back as well. Because the more, the more top-line sports we have in the town, the better it is for everybody. So the support is there, the backing is there. Um, and like I say, my, my, I will always err on the side of positivity because that's, that's my nature. Um, but I get where people are concerned. I do, yeah. Well, we we hope that uh, things do work out positively, of course, and that we see Swindon back because, of course, there's always threats over and many clubs. You know, have got some sort of threat um, over them at, at the time being, and 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 it would be good to 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 see one of the great names coming back into Speedway, and we hope that next year, you know, there'll, there'll be a few of them potentially coming back in. So that's. That's certainly the hope and uh, fingers crossed for that. Yeah, it's been brilliant to see what Oxford have done and the way that Oxford have come back in and they've come back in all guns are blazing and it's brilliant down there. And there's no reason at all why, you know, you look at the work that's going on at Workington. I know it's only a track at this moment in time, but it's a track. Things are happening there. So, yeah, let, let's hope. Let's hope that everything goes to plan and not just Swindon, but we see a couple of other sides return return as well and, and things get stable for those clubs that have got a couple of question marks hanging over them. Okay, Lee Kilby is going to be staying with us in the next part of No Breaks, No Fear as we have a look back and ahead to the upcoming fixtures in the Championship. But I, I hope to, you found that informative of, uh, of what is happening at Swindon as far as we know. And of course, yes, there are still a few question marks there, but hopefully um, you, uh, you, you take something from Lee's enthusiasm and, and optimism that uh, things will yet return to the Abbey Stadium. In the next part, though, we're going to talk a little bit about Newcastle, who on the flip side, have uh, left the British Speedway leagues at least for the time being all their results have been removed there was a special meeting last week at Redcar though which uh, featured a Diamonds select team we'll hear from the Newcastle captain James Wright and also the longtime centre green announcer Roy Clark in the next part of No Breaks No Fear No Breaks No Fear the official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back in this section, focusing firmly on the championship, and we'll look back on the recent meetings and ahead to, to what's coming up over the next week or so in a few minutes with uh, my guest in this part of the podcast, Lee Kilby. Um, but just going to turn the spotlight on Newcastle for a little while because a week ago when we were making the last episode of the podcast, the news was just really coming out that Newcastle wouldn't be continuing for the rest of this season. And uh, there was a special meeting organised last Friday at the Echo Arena at Redcar, where Redcar were already due to be racing Newcastle in the league. And of course, that fixture fell by the wayside. So very quickly, one or two people, including um, a man we're about to hear from soon, Roy Clark, who's the centre green announcer, but a, a real 
stalwart figure for, for both clubs, actually, because his centre-green announcer at Redcar, but also Newcastle, former rider for Newcastle, mechanic, and he's done all sorts of stuff. Um, got involved and put a team together, and it featured some names from the past, like Ashley Morris and Steve Worrell, and some of the present team as well, George Congreve, uh, Paul Stark, Max Clegg were, were involved too and uh, put on a great show. It ended 54-36 in favour of the Red Car Bears and you might not be um, overly surprised to hear that. But, um, you know, a nice way for fans of Newcastle perhaps to say goodbye, at least for this season, to Newcastle. And we hope it's not the last we see of that iconic race jacket. Ryan Nassau has been catching up with a couple of those involved. Uh, in a moment, we'll hear from James Wright, the Newcastle captain up until the club's closure last week. But first, let's hear from Roy Clark and um, his thoughts on the situation with Newcastle and how this special meeting came about as everybody knows I, I went to be first speed remit in Newcastle 1961 in a carry cart you know and I've, I've missed maybe a handful of meetings the whole of my life um, and to think this is the last meeting that Newcastle or well the Diamonds has ever raced is, is heartbreaking you know I, I said the other day to somebody Newcastle is is one of the biggest clubs in this country when it's ran correctly and they have a team to support. Newcastle do need like an out and out number one, you know, a team to support. So if a top man to get behind. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we've just seen it tonight where Stevie Worrell was riding number one and it made such a big difference to the supporters. And it was lovely to see so many supporters out here at Redcar. And regarding you saying Newcastle last meeting being at Redcar, it's better being at Redcar than nowhere at all. Mm. It was fantastic of the promotion to yeah. offer to put this meeting on so the Diamonds fans could come the short journey down the road to come and support the team that they've loved for, you know, for all their life as well. I still live in hope that maybe there is somebody out there who can come in and, and you, take over. Did you fear this coming or did you think the team would get the end of the season? I always feared it but I always thought it would be at the end of the season mm. not halfway through. I, I found out at five to six on Tuesday morning when I was in my hotel room down at Plymouth and to find that out from somebody off the forum you know was heartbreaking um, but you know I, I spoke to the promotion here about what they were going to do tonight you know um, I even sounded out Stevie Worrell it's, it's something like half past six on Tuesday morning saying what are you doing Friday night would you ride for Newcastle in a challenge match and Stevie Worrell came back straight away and said, yes. That, you know, there's an awful lot of love for the Diamonds out there, especially with riders who've rode for them in the past. You know, I just wished, unfortunately, George English is not here tonight. He's got a family holiday, uh, you know, he flew out to Canada yesterday. Um, I would have loved if George to be here tonight. Do you think there's, with mentioning George... Is there a possibility that maybe George does come back? I know he's been through a lot before, but is there any chance you think, personally, because I know he's a friend of yours? Um, I would hope if someone took over, that the first person to turn to would be George. He's a very good um, team manager. He's a very good promoter. You know, He was part of the BSPL committee for a long time. He was the major events organiser. Um, he knows a lot. Well, he knows what he's doing. What he knows about Speedway, you know, he probably knows more about Speedway than anybody. 
that I know. The northeast is a hotbed of speedway. You've got Redcar here, you've got Berwick up the road, hopefully you've got Newcastle in the middle, and now we're going to have Workington back as well hopefully, over the yeah. northwest. Yeah. You know, just look, I would just love Newcastle to be still racing next year and to have a number one and a heat, as, you know, a second heat leader to back the lads up because there was nothing wrong with the Newcastle team that was put together this year other than they needed an out and out number one to a spearhead to, to take the challenge Roy Clark there long time centre green announcer and a very much part of the fabric of, of Newcastle and, and increasingly with, with Redcar as well because he's their centre green announcer too now um, but I, another podcast I do called Humans of Speedway I, I, I did a chat with Roy and his story's fascinating in that you know, he's, he's spent his entire life involved in Speedway around Newcastle. Um, was a mechanic for many riders. He mechaniced for the Worrells when they first started riding there. Um, he's mechaniced for um, Kenneth Bierre, for Bjarne Pedersen. You know, this huge list of, of riders, particularly the Danes that have come over. And he offered his house out and they all used to come and stay with him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge personal connection. Uh, for Roy with um, with Newcastle, so fingers crossed something does get sorted eventually. Um, let's hear from the team captain of Newcastle Diamonds up until last week, anyway, James Wright. Um, of course, James was gearing up to be heading down to Plymouth to race against the Gladiators last Tuesday before the news came out that that wouldn't be happening. Um, let's hear now from James and he explains the story of uh, how he found out that his club was all of a sudden no more. I didn't really see it coming. I mean, you probably could have seen it coming like before, but I um, I think I spoke to Rob like a few days before, like about three or four days, and he was sure that everything was done um, ahead like till the end of the year and you don't really expect it. You know, you go to sleep thinking you're going to be at red car the next day and then obviously you got the message during the night but I didn't I didn't see it until the early hours in the morning so yeah it was just a little bit a bit like alright so why is it you just get a text from the owner of the club is that what it is or? I got a text from uh, the team manager just saying that we're not riding the Plymouth and we're no longer continuing the season so yeah it's a bit of a shock you, you kind of got a busy schedule ahead and I, I finished work like two weeks before because I had a busy schedule so it kind of was the wrong timing for me and it's kind of left me in a bit of a limbo really because especially as you only ran for one team because I'm not going to go get a job right now and then if someone comes in but you know I'll be hanging around for a few weeks but if nothing comes along I've got to look after me and my family and has there been any anything that's come on the pipeline early, early Not doors? Minute, no, no. It's uh, obviously all the teams know what's happened and they know yeah. the riders are available. But I mean, speedway can change. Like me talking now, anything can happen tomorrow, and yeah. riders, you know, God forbid, get injured or something happens. It can just call change the dynamic of the team and yeah. that. So yeah, at the minute it, it looks a bit bleak, but things could change by the end of the week. Yeah. What about the fans? Because I know. Newcastle or the Diamonds have struggled for fans at home meetings, but there is a hard core who were there every week. What do you think? What, have you got any words for them? I, I, you know, I feel so so disappointed for them. I mean, they're probably one of the best supported fans out there because since I came there, I've never known anything like it. Like they're so supported to the riders and they want to help. Passionate. Out the can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've I've picked up so much sponsorship being at, at Newcastle. I couldn't believe how much oh, yeah. passion they've got and everything and. 
you know, they're really nice people and I've made a lot of friends only being there in the, the short, you know, the short time and, you know, I really hope someone maybe comes in and, and takes it on for next year, but we know 100% it ain't running this year, so, you know, no, just no one knows what's going to happen and I think the problem is with the climate at the minute, like, everything's up in the air, you know, just in general life, so... Yeah, I can't really say any more than that. I, you know, just feel really disappointed for them, and especially that they didn't get a chance to come to the last co-meeting, thinking it would be the last one. So, but it's a, it's a good thing that Redcar have done this. At least we've managed to get another run out. You know, people and, uh, could make good, it. a good travelling support as well. And I think, you know, I think the meeting was a really good meeting. It was just the scoreline doesn't reflect that. But I think every race, it was there was good racing, especially that heat 15 was. Unbelievable. And then really. 13 with Kerr coming and him in Stark at the fence, that was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think from what every race I watched, it was good racing. I mean, there was a few good races myself in. And, you know, I think the scoreline doesn't reflect how the meeting went, really. But, you know, I think we give it our all. Everyone could see we were trying, but it wasn't enough to take the win. Let's say we hope and pray the Cup of the Shapes next year. Does you, and they say, James, we want you as our captain again. Do you think. How am I going to have any assurances this team are going to come to the tapes at the end, be at the tapes at the end of the season? Or do you think, I like Ran for that club, I've made good friends, I'll go back? I don't think you can predict anything, really. I mean, you know, you can't say you're going to be somewhere or here and there. I mean, the thing is with me is that I, I try to be a loyal rider and, you know, I always, you know, if I get picked up now towards the end of the year, if I, if I manage to, Obviously, I'm going to be with that club. Yeah. And then I always give that club then opportunity. Because that's how I that's how I run my business. Money your word. Yeah, because I, I always look at it and think if they enjoyed me riding for them, then the following year I, I always say, do you want me back? And then give them first dibs. And if they don't want me back, then that's how I've always been. Like whoever I ride for, I always go back to them. But you wouldn't close job. the door on a return to the diamonds if no, I wouldn't close back. the door. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Say, I don't know. Say, I was riding for Paul. Yeah. If I rode for them until the end of the year, I would always then go back to them and yeah. say, "Would you want me back next year? If not, then I then I start to look yeah. elsewhere." So, not a lot of the riders do that, but that's that's just my style. I try to be loyal. Whoever's had me. If things hadn't worked out that year, obviously I'm not yeah. going to be back. But, <laughs> but if I, I feel like I'm enjoying myself at that club, I'll always want to say. Can we do a deal for next year? So there's James Wright, who up until last week was the captain of the Newcastle Diamonds. Um, I'm pleased to say that he has now found himself a new club. He's uh, just joined Scunthorpe Scorpions. And uh, best of luck to James Wright on his uh, onward journey with the Scorpions for the rest of the season. But, you know, the very best of luck to everyone else involved in that. I know that one or two other people are now starting to get picked up, but a huge upheaval for everyone to, to, to find that, wake up in the morning to find that the club is no longer there of course and uh, all our best wishes to everyone involved and of course the supporters who now no longer have a club in, in Newcastle at least for the time being. Paul Stark has now picked up a new club, he's moving to the Oxford Cheaters for the rest of the season. Newcastle's results from the season so far have now been removed, expunged from the league table um, so that's both points earned in terms of wins and, and so on, but also the, the points for and against for the respective sides as well. So it's it's as if Newcastle were never there to start with this season. We now have 10 
sides in the league. And the alteration with those results has moved a few of the the teams around. Um, Plymouth Gladiators now climbing into third place in the championship. And um, they're not too far behind Glasgow Tigers, just two points behind as it stands on equal amounts of matches ridden as well. Leicester remain top. It means that Pool Pirates drop down to fourth place as it stands. Berwick Bandits are bottom. Uh, the Birmingham Brummies lifting themselves off. Lee Kilby is with us. Um, Lee, um, well, the both of us have been watching quite a lot of championship action this season, working for the British Speedway Network on, on BSN, the live streams. Um, Plymouth Gladiators, I think, have been the surprise, and especially at home, they've they've been so strong. They've got some very experienced riders in their, in their lineup, but they're winning at home and, and not getting embarrassed away. It seems to be a winning formula. They've almost done. They've almost done a little bit of what Peterborough did last year. You know, nobody really fancied Peterborough to, to do what they did last year, and it's similar with Plymouth. Um, but they've 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 recruited their side is is strong. You know, they've got they've got a couple of hitters um, in that side that you know Ben Barker is is one example that's that's exceeding expectation, and that's what you need if you can have a couple of riders in your side that exceed expectation and score. You know, that's that's what it does, and and like you say, the 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 the, the league has mixed up a little bit because of that. You know, Berwick now find themselves bottom. Yes, they've got four four or five games in uh, games, four or five meetings in hand on the sides above them, um, which, you know, they can take some points from and creep up the table. They Berwick will, even though they're bottom, they won't be too worried. They'll see themselves getting up near where Edinburgh are, I would think, and Scunthorpe, and pushing for those last couple of spots in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's sad to see Newcastle go. It is a really difficult time for a lot of clubs out there. Um, and I think we could sense it a little bit when we were there with BSN. You could feel that it wasn't 100% right and something something was potentially going to give. And sadly, it did. Um, and we do hope that, you know, they can sort that situation out very much like Eastbourne and find new owners and backers that brings them back into the league. But it's made it has made the, the league very interesting. And uh, it's going to get very, very tight from from second or third down, I think. And sticking with Plymouth, of course, they were away at Poole last week, uh, last Wednesday. And of course, the surprise there was that Plymouth were running away with it. They had quite a lead over the Poole Pirates. And then there was that incident that many people will have seen, which featured Richard Lawson and Michael Palm Toft clashing. And Michael Palm Toft ended up crashing out and he was withdrawn from the meeting and hasn't ridden since for either of his clubs so best wishes to, to Michael Palm Toft but losing Tofty at that point that, that changed the whole dynamic didn't it and from then on Poole were getting back into it I mean Plymouth put up a good fight and held it to a draw 45 all in the end but without losing Tofty there you know that, that could have been a, a surprise away win for Plymouth at Poole Yeah and again it did it caused huge debate that crash I saw that in quite a few different platforms and forums um and it was, uh, yeah, a tough move. There didn't appear to be any contact, but sometimes there doesn't necessarily have to be contact for a rider to have to divert his uh, his course. So it was six of one, half a dozen of the other, uh, and I think both sides, regardless of what the referee did in that instant, would have been would have been unhappy. But I think it did. I think it, it tipped the balance back towards Paul with with, with Tofty not being available because he's he's cracking rider Tofty. Um, but again, it's a, it's a result that many people probably wouldn't have wouldn't have seen even though they were would have liked to have taken a win from it and they were on the cards to do so I think a draw for Plymouth away at Paul is not a result many saw um but again I think you can you can put Carl Howarth's incredible guesting skills 
again, down to that one because he picked up, I think it was page 17, and that's an incredible, incredible guest, a guest booking for him. Um, but the league is very much like that. That's one of those results that, you know, we've seen a few of those already where they're results that you didn't necessarily think that you were going to see. And that just shows that the, 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 the league, the top part of that league, especially, um, you know, any, any result can happen. And, and, and that was one of them, really. It was a big day Wednesday, actually, because Oxford were racing against Glasgow at the Oxford Stadium on Sandy Lane. And uh, that came down to a last heat decider, 46-44 in favour of the Cheetahs. And what a victory that is for Oxford and their quest for the playoffs as well. Of course, they've strengthened with Aaron Summers, who had a, another terrific performance for them on his home debut. And then since, of course, we just mentioned, Paul Stark has moved from Newcastle to Oxford as well in place of Kyle Newman. And and so really, you know, you see Oxford here keeping the pressure up. They maybe have a little bit more work to do than some of the other sides around them at the moment in the championship, but it's really hotting up there. And you look at the strength in depth that Oxford have now got, and, and maybe you'd argue that the momentum there is shifting in the Cheetahs' direction. Yeah, and I think the signing, Aaron, Aaron's a great, incredible signing. To get Aaron back, he's a rider we had at Swindon for a little while. He's a, he's a brilliant rider. He's, he's got loads of ability. And to get him back and then to, to, to add Starkey into the mix... You know, with with Scott and um, and Troy at the top end of their side, that makes that's that's a formidable foursome they've got at the top of their team now, and they will have every ambition of of, of you know, obviously getting into the, the playoff situation, um, and do, and doing well, and and I don't see any reason you know why why they won't if I'm if I'm honest because I think they've got that strength there now, um, but again we've seen you know for them to to beat Glasgow it was a terrific meeting by all accounts people were saying it was the best one they'd seen down there since their return, which is great to hear. Um, you can't beat going into the last couple of heats with the result nice and close from a fan's perspective and a commercial angle. Always got that hat on. Um, it, it's great. And, and, you know, they thoroughly deserve the, the, the win by all accounts. And, um, yeah, Starkey had a big off, big off for, uh, for Ipswich away at, at Sheffield. I think it looked slightly worse than it was because of the distance he travelled through the air. But, um, but he'll be a great addition to their team. And, and, and Oxford... I don't think anybody's ever really ruled them out of making that playoff picture, which I think they will. Um, but the more they strengthen, the more they've got the ability to, to, to do a bit more than that, I think. Uh, Birmingham now find themselves not at the bottom of the championship. Uh, Berwick Bandits currently occupying the, the bottom slot at the moment. That said, Berwick have got, uh, well, currently five matches in hand, so that could turn round. But that said, uh, Birmingham have pulled out some decent results uh, recently. A bit of mixed fortunes, though, beating Redcar 50 points to 40. And then um, at the weekend, they were hammered at home to Leicester, 62-28. And uh, we can hear from Lawrence Rogers after that defeat. Lawrence, obviously a really tough night. We've seen several teams come in this season and be heavily beaten, and it was a bad night all round, really. Bad all right, yeah. yeah certainly... Uh track wasn't to anybody's like it, I don't think, at the beginning. You know, they do a lot of track work to it to make it, uh, you know, raceable in the end because there was a lot of problems on the top bend there for people. But, you know, all credit that they pulled it back round. But it was a tough night for us. A couple of positives. Obviously, Tom Brennan battling away. But the Heat 14 ride by James Pearson. Unbelievable that, you know. He sat there all that time waiting for another ride. Out he goes and wins one, which, you know, shows the, you know, the quality the boys got, you know, for the future. Been a tough time for several of the riders, and obviously Klaus Fitzing tonight had a real tough one. Very tough one, mate. You know, missing Ash as well, who always rides Leicester well. You know, RR didn't really cover for us there. Said he had a good goal from there, but you know, we weren't strong enough, were we? Just give us a quick update on Ash. She obviously called away this afternoon. Yeah, it's uh, 
okay now his daughter's out of hospital so you know we send all our best wishes to uh, Ash and uh, little Ruby that's good news uh, on the positive Lawrence a couple of good home wins in the last few weeks got some momentum building at Perry Bar that's the important thing now it's very much important yeah to us because you know with, with, with the problems we've had in the past we've, we've bounced back there with a great win against Plymouth and then a superb one against Red Car we've just got to build on that now just a pity we've got nothing this Wednesday yeah it would have been Newcastle home and away and of course their sad demise but a big home match coming up against uh, Glasgow in 10 days time yeah Glasgow will come in there Tom Brown will be against me that's, you know, I feel funny with Tom not in my side I'll probably give him the number 5 body colour but you know yeah it's going to be a tough one for us that but uh, you know on the roll now so a big win for Leicester 62-28 the night before though of course Leicester were away at Glasgow in a top of the table tussle and it was the Glasgow Tigers that came out victorious there 56-34 maybe the fact that Leicester have had what 10 days or so off maybe um, just leaving them a little bit uh, ring rusty there but now they look ahead to a, a trip to Oxford yeah, that that result. And again, it's I'm in uh, with the the Swindon track staff. We've got a, a prediction league, and we all chuck our predictions in each week. And and it's getting really, really difficult to call results because I actually went for a Leicester win at Glasgow. I thought they were in the ascendancy. I thought all the boys were doing well. Carl Howarth is riding really well, and you know I know that Nick Morris can ride really well around there. Richie Worrell, the Thompson boys can can rack in with the scores. And then all of a sudden, there's a huge win for for Glasgow that. You know, I certainly didn't see see coming, especially to to, to that extent. Um, but again, when you get Benjamin Basso riding like like he has started to ride, um, I think you're always capable of getting that type of result. And especially when you think in that meeting, Cookie Craig only scored three points for Glasgow, so it shows that everybody else chipped in and, and did the business. Um, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise anybody if those were the two the top two sides at the end of the the season. I don't think. Um, although you know. <laughs> It's, uh, it really is a mixed bag at the minute, isn't it? It certainly is. Yeah, there's a lot to, to ride for at the top, at the bottom and in the middle as well. And looking ahead to the fixtures coming up this week, then uh, Oxford taking on Leicester, as we just mentioned. And we can get a look ahead to that with the Leicester boss, Stuart Dixon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going for a couple of reasons. One, I've never been. And uh, two, as you say, we, um, we're looking to get something there. You know, they have strengthened up. Aaron Summers, obviously. I was uh, lucky enough to see him at Glasgow a week past the Friday. He was in excellent form. Uh, he certainly strengthened them, and um, it's going it's going to be tough. But yeah, it's um, it's our last counting away league match. We've obviously got some of trophies still to come, but we need to be trying to get something there. And um, we know it'll be difficult, but it would be nice if we can add to our away points tally, uh, which would give the other teams, you know, something, you know, a higher points tally for them to. to to, to try and achieve but uh, at the same time we've still got Berwick and Edinburgh still to come here which are really more important I think you know we, we need to keep the back door closed and obviously before but um, that's more important but yes it would be nice to add to points tally on Wednesday night Confirmation that you're using Jason again who's, who rides every time you use Jason he rides well for you yeah it, um, he's a likeable young lad and we we booked Jason um, and um, I think this will be probably the last guest booking because uh, I'm very hopeful we'll be making a signing for the start of July. Fingers crossed if I can get that one over the line when the new averages come into, come into play in July. Yeah. 
So um, a team change coming very soon to the Leicester Lions. Only a few days to wait, I suspect, before we find out more info on that one. Oxford versus Leicester on Wednesday. The other fixture on Wednesday is Poole versus Berwick. And um, obviously for this, Berwick want to get off the bottom of the table, but they have got these five matches in hand currently. But of course, they've got to win them to get themselves up the table. A big away win at Poole would possibly be a surprise, but we saw Plymouth run them fairly close. And of course, Leicester beat them. They're on a bit of a losing streak at the moment, the Poole Pirates. This match will be live on British Speedway Network on Wednesday night. I'll be commentating and Lee Kilby uh, will be presenting from the pits as well. And looking forward to this one. It's the first time we'll have visited um, Poole on uh, the British Speedway Network. We were supposed to be there earlier in the season for this very fixture. So this is a rearrangement of a, a rain off, but really excited to see what happens. Of course, Berwick have made a, a signing, well, a couple of signings. Nathan Stoneman is now in the Berwick lineup, who's come from Oxford. And Jonas Knudsen is uh, a new rider uh, who's come over from Denmark. He's doing really well in the Danish leagues. Um, he has obviously got a very well-known name for people of a certain age. We'll know the name Tommy Knudsen. Uh, well, Jonas Knudsen is from the same village Jonas Knudsen started his career at the very same club in Denmark. Jonas Knudsen is no relation whatsoever to Tommy Knudsen, okay? But he is good mates with Ben Basso. They're in the same team in Denmark. And actually, Jonas Knudsen scoring some some bigger scores than uh, Ben Basso over there in, in Denmark. So this could be pretty explosive. Yeah, I love it when a club can sign a rider like that. That is, is pretty much an unknown quantity to many of us. Um, but has that has that, uh, that 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 recent history of doing well? I win in their native country, and and it'll be great. I could talk about the real, the, I say the real Tommy Gunnudson. I could talk about the, the the Coventry Tommy all day long, but I don't know much about <laughs> this lad. So it'd be really really interesting to see what he what he brings. Um, um, and it's a result I think that Berwick will look at, and they will take heart from Paul's recent home form, which was you know, a defeat to Leicester and a draw to Plymouth and think, you know, we could go there and get something out of this. Like you say, especially with, you know, Danny as well, he's picked up that injury. Um, they've strengthened. It, it's a result that, again, I think could go, that could go either way. There's part of me that thinks that Paul will will turn the screw a little bit and that they'll get the result. But I think Berwick have got every every ability of going there and, 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 and putting them under a lot of pressure and potentially getting a result. But I'm excited to see what the, the, the Danish lad is like. You know, we get these young Danes come over from time to time and take the world by storm. He may well be the next one. And if he is pretty good, the good news is he's got a brother who's uh, also in the same team in Denmark as well. So there's uh, a family of them. And of course, it's the return of Bomber to Poole as well with, with Berwick. And um, I think fans of, of, of both teams will be looking forward to seeing that. I think Bomber around Poole, we've seen enough of that over the last, you know, 10, 10, 15 years to know how incredible he can be around there. Um, and he always delivers. Bomber will always deliver. You know what you're going to get. He's going to give you 110%. He knows how to ride the track. He's he's done it for them. He's done it against them. I think you can go back to Coventry winning the league when he got run over by Lewis Bridger, sprinted back to the pits when we all thought he was going to be in an ambulance and, and, and doing the business for them that night. And then we've seen him don the Paul race jacket in the playoffs and do and do the business for them. So all right, so it's going to be a really, really exciting mean, I'm really looking forward to going down this. Our first trip with the, the British Speedway Network to Paul this year um 
and it'll be it'll be an exciting meeting for sure. And like I say, I think it could go it could go either way. But no, I think Paul will just will just pinch it. Thursday night, unusually, there's nothing on in uh, British Speedway, so an empty Thursday. Friday at Armadale, it's Edinburgh versus Scunthorpe, two sides. Um, fighting for the uh, playoff places there going at it, which is going to be an interesting one to watch. And then the return of that fixture will be on Sunday in the Championship, back at the Eddie Wright Raceway. Glasgow are hosting the Red Car Bears on Friday night as well, which, uh, again, Red Car looking to keep up their um, pursuit of, of the playoffs. You'd think that they're pretty much in the mix there now, but with the teams behind them, and certainly teams like you know Edinburgh seem to be getting their act together, um, Berwick will, will have a an outside chance of, of, of making it into the, the playoffs as well. Scunthorpe, it's it's all tight down there and, and no time to, to rest on your laurels in any way. No, not really. And when you look at the league table, Scunthorpe and Edinburgh have almost, you know, they're both sat on 19 points. Um, Scunthorpe have scored three more than Edinburgh, that's all, three more points. And they've conceded five more. So there's, there's absolutely nothing between those two sides, really. Um, and like you say, Berwick have got all those meetings in hand. Um, so they can they can catch up and put themselves in the mix. Um, it's 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 a really interesting league this year. It's a really interesting league. I, you know, Oxford have raced more than the others, so they are they're playing catch up, but they've made the signings that might enable them to do that. Um, and it's really only Birmingham that that are potentially out of it, but they've shown some form again of late, and and they could get themselves in 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 the mix there as well. Justin Sedgman's been fantastic for them since he signed. Um, but it's 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 great. It's really it's, it's making for a really really interesting and intriguing in league this year because you know most of the sides have have got a shout and be interesting to see how those two results go. Yeah, a few twists and turns to come, and then uh, as for championship action, there's uh, there's not a lot really uh, on uh, Sunday. Just that one match between Scunthorpe and Edinburgh, and then of course the next championship action will be on Wednesday because Plymouth Centurions are action in the National League on Tuesday. Wednesday, it's the Brummies versus the Glasgow Tigers, and the Oxford Cheaters versus the Plymouth Gladiators, and uh, we'll have more about those. Next week here on No Breaks, No Fear, where we'll also be previewing round three of the Premiership Pairs, which is taking place at Kings Lynn next Thursday, the 7th of July, round three, halfway through that, and uh, Kings Lynn, the venue. So we'll be speaking, hopefully, to uh, Josh Pickering, fingers crossed, next week on No Breaks, No Fear terms and conditions apply things can change at short notice in speedway as we well know of course those are the championship fixtures um elsewhere let's just run through the premiership next action will be on monday all six sides are in action bellevue aces versus the sheffield tigers peterborough panthers versus the kingsland stars and the wolverhampton wolves versus the ipswich witches next monday in the premiership all starting at 7 30 premiership pairs next thursday the 7th at Kings Lynn. And a quick look through uh, some of the fixtures in the National Development League. Um, we've got some action coming up on Saturday. National Development League Knockout Cup semi-final first leg, the Berwick Bullets versus the Leicester Lion Cubs. And um, the second leg of that is the following day on the Sunday at the Paul Chapman & Sons Arena. And um, more British Youth Championship action as well on Sunday uh, with action at Redcar and then Scunthorpe 
And then on Tuesday, the National Development League, we've got Plymouth Centurions against the Mildenhall Fen Tigers. And that takes you through the next week in British Speedway. Have a lovely week wherever you're heading for your Speedway. And we'll be back with you in a week from now, Wednesday morning, for your next episode of No Breaks, No Fear. As I say, we'll be reviewing all of that action, previewing what's coming up, including looking ahead to the next round of the Premiership Pairs next Thursday. Join us for that. And my thanks to Lee Kilby. Thanks for joining us. Um, we'll see you track sides with the British Speedway Network, I'm sure, but also uh, all the best with everything to do with Swindon as well. Thanks for having us on, Ian. It's been, uh, it's been nice to join you. I'm um, looking forward to, to Paul um, against Berwick. That'll be a, a crack of a meeting and hopefully you know, we can get some positive news for, the, for everybody concerning Swindon over the next, the next couple of weeks um, and we can, we can look forward and... And there's some positive, some positive news for everybody. So yeah, thanks for having us on. Always a great podcast. Um, good, to, good to speak to you. Take care. We'll speak soon on the next episode of No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.